We're looking at the Lord's joy this morning, and I want to read from Hebrews and chapter 12 from the first verse. Of course, <laughs> chapter 12 follows chapter 11, and that's a great crowd of witnesses are all these people there up in heaven. I like the spectators cheering on as I'll be doing in Wembley tonight. Um, and uh, we need to remember this, that we have the great company of the redeemed, the church triumphant, as well as the angels and the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son with us at all times. I mean, when I say they're with us, they certainly... So, Derek, can I, can I just interrupt? For some yeah. reason, the meeting room closed. So uh, our Chinese oh. brothers and sisters need to uh, go back into the uh, the meeting yeah. room. So sorry about that. I'm not quite sure what happened, but the uh, uh, Zoom closed the meeting room. All right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Nearly everybody, not quite. That is everybody. Yes? Yep. Okay. So, we all know how um, the crowds encourage the participants in sport. Well, that's the, the metaphor here. That's why it's run with perseverance. Um, and although um, those in heaven, perhaps in one sense, are shielded from down here, um, not totally, I don't think, because they, they say, how long, Lord? How long will it be before, you know, the tribulation... Uh, well, I mean, the trouble comes to an end and the tribulation and the Lord's return. But we have all these um, witnesses, such a crowd. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exaltation that addresses you as sons, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Now, I want to tell you a couple of stories. The first one was something my father told me. I can't vouch as to whether it's actually historical or apocryphal, just to make a point, nor therefore do I know the name of the individual concerned, but we'll call him the Reverend jeremy jones okay now this man uh, so the story goes was uh, about to go to a village church was on the way to a village church um by train to preach and uh, the secretary of the church many years ago went down to the station to meet him and it being a sunday morning there weren't that many people on the train um, and they got off one by one, and uh, 
came towards the barrier. And the, the, the church secretary looked and um, picked out one man. Okay, excuse me, are you the Reverend Jeremy Jones? He said, no, he said, I've got toothache. That's why I look like this, he said. <laughs> so what the man was looking for, I'm not quite sure. Now, I can't vouch for the truth of that. I don't know. Oh, my father used to tell me the story. I can vouch for the truth of the next story. John McNeil was a famous preacher in Glasgow over 100 years ago. Very influential ministry. Um, he, he was a very, very joyful man. <laughs> so much so, um, he used to say, in fact, that joy is the flag flown from the castle of the heart when the king's there, which is where the chorus comes from. A phrase of his, that was. And a little girl used to go to his church in Glasgow, in Clyde um, area, said, um, I think Mr. McNeil goes to heaven every night because he's so happy every day. He, tell, he used to tell a story about a person who was in great despair and was about to end his life by casting himself off into the Clyde, the River Clyde, off the bridge. And he was just about to do it when he saw someone walking past. And he saw something about this person which kind of intrigued and attracted, attracted him at the same time. And he followed him. Or her, maybe a lady, I don't know which it was. I do forget that detail. But it's in biography, I think, or history of Mignon. He followed this person until they came to the church, John McNeil's church. And the person went in, and the would-be suicide person followed and sat down. Well, McNeil preached the gospel and that person heard the gospel and got saved. So instead of making away with himself, he was drawn into the kingdom of Christ and changed, transformed. And McNeil used to tell this story quite often. And when he did, he used to lean over his pulpit and he'd look his congregation in the face and he'd say, is there anything in your face that will prevent a man or woman from committing suicide? Quite a challenge. Joy is the key characteristic of the believer. Therefore, if we don't have it, we're not manifesting the key characteristic of the believer. Now, you know, my wife wrote out a text, which I have in my, well, generally have in my library, but it's here as well. And um, I go back to it very often. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill me and you with all joy and peace as we trust him, that we might overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When the angels announced the coming of the Lord, they said, we have good news of great joy that shall be for all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem, of course, a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy. Now, I think people are looking forward to good news of great joy tonight, aren't they? Uh, may, they may get it, at least one side will get it, uh, and the other side won't. I've seen families on the TV where, you know, one partner in the marriage is Italian and one is English. So <laughs> there'll be mixed responses in such homes. Um, of course, if England win, it will be glad tidings of great joy, which uh, you'll see uh, everywhere tomorrow or tonight. But I mean, actually, it's nothing, is it, compared with the coming of the Saviour? Um, he, he alone can rescue you from hell, from hellfire, and change your life and come into you with the Holy Spirit. Great news of great joy. And it is for his chosen people. It's not um, goodwill to all, all men. That's not really what the original text says. That's not a very good text. It is to men of God's pleasure, God's goodwill. His elect, in other words. And those who know Jesus Christ by grace know what the joy of the Lord is. Uh, Nehemiah said, it's this joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, we've been passing through difficult times. Two years ago, nearly now, next month, my wife was taken. To me, a very grievous thing. And in a way, my grieving has been sort of elongated, I think, by the COVID outbreak. But people do say that 18 months to two years is the most difficult time in the grief of a very close person. Um, but... As I say, it was my wife that had already given me this text. And while I grieve, I don't grieve without hope, nor without joy. And when I've been overwhelmed, then the joy has gone, definitely. But the Lord restores it. Joy comes in the morning. Weeping may tarry for the night. Uh, I have to say night's still the most difficult time of day for me, time of the, of the 24 hours. But joy comes in the morning. Now, you know that you, what I'm doing. I'm talking through the emotional life of our Lord. He's man, perfect man, perfect God, true God. Last time we looked at his sorrows. And we're looking at his joy. As I said last time, do feel free to interrupt me anytime. 
Um, as I said last time, he's known, Jesus is known as the man of sorrows, but it's not actually a title that's in the New Testament. It comes from Isaiah in chapter 53 in the prophecy of the coming suffering Savior. And as Warfield points out in the articles that I'm looking at in preparation for these, these sessions this morning, really, if you want to characterize Jesus, it perhaps shouldn't be the man of sorrows, but the man of joy. What we do know, and this is why I found last week so unbelievably difficult, I just do not like, I, in fact, I have an aversion to contemplating the sufferings of Christ because I can't take it. I can't emotionally uh, deal with it. And I felt that last week. I mean, it's certainly true, as uh, Cecil Francis Alexander says, we may not know, we cannot tell what pains he had to bear. But we believe it was for us he hung and suffered there. But when I actually get into thinking about just thinking about it, I, I find it too much. It's overwhelming what Jesus actually suffered. But the fact that he knew he was going to suffer it for all those years beforehand, I can't really enter into that. It's too much for me. But mercifully, when Jesus said, it is finished, he meant our salvation was accomplished, which is what we just celebrated with the bread and the wine, but also he entered into the joy of his father. But despite having to live in those, that period of time before, I suppose probably from but even from his teens, or when he was 12, he was in the temple, knowing it was his father's business, his father's house. Um, despite the awful shadow of the cross, he was a man of joy. In fact, um, in Matthew 11 and in Luke 7, he says, you know, John didn't come eating and drinking. He, you know, locusts and wild honey, didn't he? The son of man comes eating and drinking. He was a party man. And he enjoyed the gifts of God. And they call him a glutton and a drunkard. Imagine that. Jesus was called that. Why? because he actually enjoyed life with people. So is that the Jesus, do we know, or do we know someone a little bit different? It's a good question. Is the Jesus we know, could he be accused of being a glutton and a drunkard? Not, not a fair, not, not an actual fair comment, of course, he was neither of those things. But um, the fact that, People, anyone could even say it, shows that he enjoyed himself at a party with people. He never sinned. He never do, did the sort of things that a lot of people do in parties. But he was there uh, with a joyful spirit. Okay? And we read in Hebrews, in chapter 1, we've already read something from Hebrews, um, Something from a psalm. Um, in the first chapter. 
Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. So there's no one more joyful than Jesus, okay? So let's make sure that's the Jesus we have. Otherwise, we might conceivably, I can't see it's true of any of us, but we might have a mistaken view of him. Um, at the worst, we can have the wrong Jesus. He's been anointed with joy above his companions. And you know, it says um, in the next chapter in Hebrews that uh, he, um, he's, the, he's the worship leader. Because <laughs> it says this. I will tell of your name to the brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise prophetically. That's uh, Jesus speaking there. Okay. So he's been anointed above his fellows. Now, in Luke and chapter 10, and it's probably worth looking at that. Well, in fact, it is worth looking at it if you have a Bible there. Um, chapter 10, we read of how Jesus rejoices in the Father's will. Uh, chapter 10 and verse 21. Luke chapter 10 and verse 21. In that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, but you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children, literally babes. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things are being handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Okay, so this word that Jesus used, uh, agalia, is, is incredibly exultant. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's the same word you find uh, is described with joy as unspeakable joy in um, 1 Peter. So when he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, it was really exuberant. You know, there's nothing sort of, it was sort of, well, it wasn't uncontrolled exactly, but it was really powerful. Really powerful. And our praying should be like that. We really shouldn't be conscious of other people. We should be exulting in, in the Lord. That's how Jesus prayed. Okay? And also, he prayed. Uh, I lost a little bit of time there, so I don't want to go on to too much more. I don't want to hand it over to you. But the, the, he his desire, if you look in... John 15, 16, and 17 was that his joy might be in his disciples. My joy may be in you and your joy may be full. You find that in chapter 15 and verse 11, chapter 16 and verse 22, chapter 17 and verse 13. He prays for the joy of the Lord to be in his people. And that's what we should be. That's where, that's our normal we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, says Peter. 
And do you remember he wrote that um, really not too long before his uh, own crucifixion? I mean, I think one Peter uh, is quite a bit of a poor two Peter. Uh, two Peter, certainly he knew his death was impending. Um, but that's how we should be. And, and brothers and sisters, that is the normal Christian life. And it's not happiness, because hap means what happens, affects how you are, your mood. Joy is a, a gift of God, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. As someone has said, peace is joy resting, and joy is peace dancing. So those are the things which are they characterize the Lord Jesus, and by the Holy Spirit, they should characterize us. And he therefore endured the cross for the joy set before him. And as I said to you, I'm glad that I've dealt with the other sorrow last week. And I'm glad it wasn't the Lord's Supper really last week, but this week, because um, I want to emphasize that the Lord's Supper is a joyful occasion, not a sad occasion. We don't reenact the cross. Heaven forbid. And as we move into our new session, God willing, in September now, we've delayed a bit, we will be having that every Lord's Day, the joy of the Lord, celebrating the Lord's Supper in our breakfast meetings. That's what it should be like. And that's where we need to get before God. If we know that we haven't got that joy, then we do need to ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to give us that joy, which is characteristic of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll, I'll, I'll give you another story to end with. Um, there was a man who used to pray with me. Um, he was a city missionary, actually, in my previous church, but quite a long way away, about two miles away uh, from the house he worked. I won't say his actual name because this thing is being recorded. I'll call him something else. Um, I'll call him Tom Tyler. That wasn't his name, but uh, I'll call him that. And uh, Tom Tyler never smiled. At least only once did I ever see it happen. Um, and he used to go around his at patch uh, visiting people. And they were never very interested in... in uh, uh, in the things of God, very faithful man. And he used to tell them um, that, that he used to say he didn't really want to come to church or enjoy it. Um, he had a meeting hall already. And he said, well, you wouldn't, would you? Because you don't know God. That's what he used to tell them. Anyway, when <laughs> he used to walk every Wednesday, I think it was, up to my house for, about a, for a prayer meeting for other ministers at about quarters of nine. In the morning. And that particular morning, Silla was taken into hospital. I think it was a that could have been a Tuesday, I forget now. Uh, to have Johnny. And I she was in hospital, and I just come back briefly to get some clothes and bits and pieces. And I saw him walking up the hill. It was quite a hill where we lived. So I said, again, not his real name. I said, Oh, oh, oh. Tom, I said, I'm afraid I can't have the meeting this morning. My wife's just given birth. Oh, no, he said. <laughs> so it became a phrase 
in our house, we would say, oh, no. Oh, Tom Tyler, or the real name. <laughs> so uh, um, the poor man wasn't really rejoicing in, um, in, in the news of uh, my impending extension of fatherhood or my wife's safe delivery, but the fact he'd walked so far and there wasn't going to be a meeting. Now, okay, so let me ask you the question, which that kind of illustrates as well, uh, which um, uh, John McNeil asked, is there anything in your face to prevent a man or woman committing suicide? What do you think? I'm not saying show of hands if you think there is, but uh, what do you think? And if, if you think it might not be true of all of us or might not be true of you or might not be true of all Christians, why do you think that is? Think of that story of the, uh, the man with toothache. And Lord, if that's us, <laughs> forgive us, Lord. And uh, clearly the church secretary was very used to ministers looking like that. <laughs> you picked him out. So, Lord, let, let there be an end to that, Lord. <laughs> let we be the most joyful people. On earth, yeah. we pray, yeah. because of all that Jesus has done, and because the Holy Spirit is in us. Amen.